I'm Larry Holscher with LJH Farms out of West Valley, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We have got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, West Texas sheep producers are enjoying the recent rains. We'll check in with one Texas sheep grower out in the Sonora area coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Reaction to the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling in favor of private property rights in the Sackett versus the Environmental Protection Agency case. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on why this ruling is important for Texas farmers, ranchers and other landowners across the nation on Texas Ag Today. They have been getting a lot of rain in the northern panhandle recently, but it probably won't change the outlook for cotton. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan in Marshall and we are seeing FFA banquets honoring our young people involved in agriculture in many pursuits. And also the weather has just been crazy wild for our produce production in the air. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Today we head out to West Texas to visit with David Fisher. He is a cattle and sheep producer out in the very dry country around Sonora. And David, let's start off with how those dry conditions are looking right now. A lot of Texas has gotten rain over the last several weeks. How about you out there in the Sonora area? Yes, sir. We've had a great week, um, and and you're right. Prior to that, I don't think a lot of people realize how this um, kind of west central on into western Texas just missed all that rain. <laughs> it's been a hard hard six months but um yeah this week and pretty widespread around the area i think we've had two to three inches of here reports from everybody i've had three plus here on the eastern side of sutton county so a little sigh of relief from producers in the area we're feeling a little better about life right now well that is definitely true rain makes everybody feel better but before these rains david you mentioned how dry it has been in your area of texas what kind of toll has that taken on both your cattle and sheep herds um, personally, you know, the cattle and sheep, we've weathered the storm pretty well. Of course, cut back in numbers, as did most people, if they didn't sell out completely, you know, just decided to suck it up and pay the high feed prices because we got quality stock and want to keep them around the rent and stuck it out as long as we could. Um, the stock has obviously suffered and, you know, lamb crops have been down a little, calf weights were down a little, all of those things suffered a little, but we weathered this storm pretty well and hopefully it's over and can move forward going into the future. Well, David, I know a lot of sheep producers lamb in the spring, and if I remember correctly, you don't quite follow that pattern. Where are you right now 
in the sheep production process with your herd? So for me personally, we were a, f- a fall lammer, which would be considered an out-of-season lammer. Because of the rough summer we had last year, our lambing was pushed back a little bit to more like the 1st of January, kind of Christmas time, 1st of January. So my lambs are gone already. would normally try to keep them and let them grow big on all the good fall, winter weeds we get out here, but we didn't have those this year. So we turned loose some lambs in April and they've gone down the road and prices were good and they've done all right. You're, you're correct that a lot of producers have lambs hitting the ground right now. Traditionally, a lot of this area is April lambing is a is a big time. And so I've heard of a lot of producers around and a lot of my friends said they got lambs hitting the ground and they're feeling better about life because there has been a little rain east of us and now we've gotten a little rain here and ewes are healthier, lambs are looking healthier. So I think everybody has some optimism on their mind. That's David Fisher. He grows cattle and sheep in West Texas in the Sonora area. David also serves on the American Lamb Board. So we'll check back with him on that on a future program. The United States Supreme Court has ruled that private property rights take precedent over the EPA's Waters of the U.S. rule. Tom Nicoletti has the story. The unanimous ruling from the highest court in the land, the U.S. Supreme Court in Sackett versus the Environmental Protection Agency, stated that the EPA clearly overstepped its authority under the Clean Water Act by restricting private property owners from developing their land despite being far from the nearest navigable water. For reaction, we go to Stephanie McMullen. She is Texas Farm Bureau Counsel in Waco, and she is in the studio today. And certainly, uh, Stephanie, this is very good news for Texas farmers, ranchers, and other landowners across the nation. Yes, it is, Tom. It's a huge monumental decision, a 9-0 decision by the highest court in our country. The United States Supreme Court ruled in favor of the landowners, the Sackett couple from Idaho, and they ruled against EPA. The court found that the EPA went beyond its statutory authority under the Clean Water Act and that EPA had imposed standards that were vague and broad, taking away private property rights. And the court found that the Clean Water Act's use of waters encompasses only those relatively permanent, standing or continuously flowing bodies of water forming geographical features that are described in ordinarily as streams, oceans, rivers, and lakes. And they went on to point out that wetlands under the Clean Water Act extend only to those wetlands that are, as a practical matter, indistinguishable from waters of the United States. Also, this case is huge because the government interjected its new rule, its new WOTUS rule that the Biden administration just put out in 2023, and the court eviscerated that rule as well in its decision, saying that that rule was going to go beyond the parameters of the Clean Water Act. So that is huge news as well. That is Texas Farm Bureau Counsel Stephanie McMullen. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The northern Texas panhandle has gotten a lot of rain recently, but James Hunt says it probably won't change the outlook for cotton there. We've had a massive amount of rain throughout much of the Texas High Plains the past three weeks, and overall, that's great news. But it's also caused planting delays. Gerald Key, the general manager of Adobe Walls Gin in Spearman, says cotton farmers in the northern panhandle are getting short on time. We don't like to go past the end of May. Uh, you know, maybe some guys will push to June the 5th, but we're about to end our window of being able to plant cotton. And beyond that, some of the rain has been a little too intense. 
I've got some friends that farm south of Pampa, south of the Lone Star Gen, and they got a four-inch rain on cotton they'd already had a good stand on, and they lost it all. Now, despite some downside, the rains have been a big boost for area farmers, but Key still expects this to be a down year for cotton. Besides the big slump in cotton prices, Key says a lot of dryland fields are simply not ready for cotton. That's largely due to our very dry, very windy winter when many panhandle farmers had to do a lot of chiseling to combat dust problems. When you have a field that you plowed it and you planted wheat and the wheat never comes up and it's just dirt, you get a little rain on it and it packs it and then when the wind starts blowing, it just blows that field and that's like sandpaper and you don't want to blow on your neighbor's crop and so you go in there and you chisel it or you rip it or you you put some kind of tillage to it and that breaks up that blow across that smooth, flat surface so the fields won't blow. And we had a lot of that going on. And then, of course, that leaves bare dirt to be planting cotton in, which is kind of a no-no. A no-no because planting cotton without some cover, save from wheat stubble, can be risky with the Texas Panhandle winds. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The end of the school year brings on the FFA banquets across East Texas. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. The spring of the year always is exciting times everywhere. And I know this, you know this, but here in East Texas this year, it has been a really great spring. And on a personal note, as I view the uh, FFA banquets held throughout East Texas this year, we're just so proud of these young men and women that make sure that we can prove and that we're involved in an organization that has close ties to the industry of agriculture, which we are all involved in. It just does your heart good to know that these young people work throughout the years uh, to achieve what they achieve. Now, not only is this organization recognized in the many difference of livestock production, that's been that way for a long, long time. But over the last several years, our industry has changed, and now, Job availability in food technology and many other areas of employment have opened up to our young people as they move out of high school into college and get a degree in agriculture. As I said, the food science technology is just one of them, and the new Diana FFA member, Lizzie Hacker, placed seventh in the whole of the USA in that competition. That's a big move right here out of East Texas. And the big plus here is that their scholarships available to these young people more in this industry than any other. Now for the farming side of it, the produce is growing. It's a little slow because cool nights, rainy weather caused us a lot of production problems early on. Then in some areas, we even had droughts that hampered planting and hampered plant growth. And then it got things to rolling pretty good there for a couple of weeks. And then here we come again with another round of rain, 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 high winds. Really did a lot of damage, slowed the watermelons somewhat, but they'll be here maybe a little later than the 4th of July out of our area, but they will be here this summer before it's over when they will be sweet. Now, as we look at the high winds, our timber industry has taken a beating in some of the far northeast counties in the area, like over in Titus County up through Bowie County, so we just see a little bit of this and that. And problems are always there. But the eternal optimist called a farmer is still on the job every day in every way. And if you eat three times a day, you can thank a farmer. 
for it. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today. Ticks are out and about this time of year, and if you are too, you may want to take action to protect yourself and your pets. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And early weaning of lambs is a controversial topic. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Early weaning of lambs is controversial, but Dr. Woody Lane says it can have some benefits. Dr. Bob Judd has more. Dr. Lane believes early weaning can help with good pasture management and parasite control. Weaning creates two different flocks with wildly different nutritional needs of dry ewes and weaned lambs. Dry ewes need only maintenance levels of nutrition, while weaned lambs need high levels of protein and energy. Keeping all these animals together will cause some to be overfed and some underfed. The dry ewes can be on a poor quality pasture or fed poor quality hay. Fast growing lambs, on the other hand, need high quality feed. Lambs born in the winter or early spring have well developed rumens by the time that spring pastures are ready for grazing and will do well on this good quality forage. If the herd is together, the ewes will eat some of the good quality forage, which should all go to growth in the lambs. So early weaning allows you to let the lambs get the good quality grass, and you will have to purchase less grain. Early weaning really makes a lot of sense when pastures begin to mature and forage is limited. Dr. Lane believes the second benefit of early weaning is parasite control. Sheep on green pastures usually become infested with intestinal parasites, and adult ewes usually have some resistance to fight off the parasites. However, lambs lack this ability due to their decreased immune system, and parasites cause a major decrease in growth and can be deadly in these lambs. These lambs need to be checked closely by checking their Fermatia score and usually require frequent deworming will be required, whereas the dry ewes are not as susceptible to these parasites, and there are also fewer parasites on the poor quality pastures. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's the time of year where ticks are out all over Texas. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. Temperatures are rising as we move closer to the official start of summer. And if you plan on hiking, camping, or otherwise enjoying the great outdoors, or even working in your yard this time of year, you may want to take action to avoid ticks. Kate Chapman, an insect expert from the University of Nebraska Extension, recently told USDA Radio that we can do several things to keep ticks from attaching to us, including wearing repellent. If it's bearable on a hot day, wear the long clothing. You know, if you're going into a place that you know has a lot of ticks, even tucking your pants into your socks can help. Or wearing white socks so you can see them easier can help. You should also perform frequent and thorough examinations of all clothing and exposed skin for crawling or attached ticks. 
And before you head back indoors, be sure to remove your outdoor clothing and anything that you had with you, like sleeping bags and blankets, and place them into a hot water wash cycle. You can also seal these items inside a plastic garbage bag to kill any unattached or hiding ticks. Then check yourself again for ticks. A lot of ticks are not successful at transmitting disease if they've been feeding for 24 hours or less. So the sooner you can get the ticks off of you, the better. Ticks can transmit a variety of diseases, including anaplasmosis, ehrlichiosis, and Lyme disease. Texas A&M AgriLife does have an app to help you identify ticks and learn more about them and how to remove them. You can find that at TickApp, T-I-C-K-A-P-P dot T-A-M-U dot E-D-U. That is TickApp dot T-A-M-U dot E-D-U. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. All of our agricultural markets were closed on Monday for the Memorial Day holiday, so we'll take a quick look back at how things wrapped up on Friday. We'll have a look at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. All of the markets were closed on Monday for the holiday, so checking back on Friday's closes, the cattle market ended mixed with live cattle higher, feeder cattle lower. June live cattle up 5 cents, 167.35. The August up 40, 165.17. October live cattle up 57 to close the week at 169.60. Lower close on the feeder market. August feeder cattle down 77 cents at 233.92. September down 97, 237.10. With October down a dollar two, 239.02. Cash fed cattle market here in Texas, selling cattle for 171 last week. That is a buck higher compared to the previous week. Kansas also sold cattle for 171. That's mostly steady. Up north, dressed cattle traded 285 to 286. That's four to five bucks higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices were lower on Friday. Choice up 399 at 303.93. Select was up 38 cents. 284.92. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. This is Walking the Pens. You're listening to the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction. He sold in San Saba Thursday. Ken, how was your sale? You bet, Larry. We had a good run day. You know, probably 800 head. Uh, we had numbers reduced a little bit, mainly due to those good rains we had around this entire area here. I mean, the pastures are really performing now, and we had probably anywhere from an inch and a half, maybe two and a half, depending on where you're located. But really, the spring and this month of May has been really, really good for us as a whole. I thought overall the market uh, continued to be very, very strong this week. Uh, I thought overall extremely good demand. 
I thought the stocker steers as a whole were probably five to six dollars higher today. At thirteen steers, weighed six hundred three at two thirty eight a pound, a little over fourteen hundred and thirty five dollars on those. I thought you got the stock errors, they were probably uh, fully steady. Uh, we saw them increase quite a bit last week, anywhere from six to eight dollars a hundred. The feeder uh, steers, they were probably two to four dollars higher today. Had five steers. These steers right off their mamas, brought uh, weighed for seven hundred forty nine pounds, bought two hundred four today, right at fifteen hundred twenty eight dollars on those steers. Feeder heifers were really active. They were probably eight to ten higher. Packer cows and bulls were steady after last week's good increase we had. And really, we didn't have enough tests on the pears or bred cows there to really uh, quote anything. There just wasn't enough of them available today. Little limit supply of overall the cow side just because of good rains, Larry. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you before then. You bet, Larry. Thank you, sir. And neighbor, thank you for listening to Walking the Pens from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're doing so on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. Raleen hogs dropped lower on Friday. June hogs down a dollar fifty-seven, seventy-six oh seven. The July contract down two forty-seven, seventy-four seventy-seven. Class three milk was lower Friday. May milk down a penny at sixteen sixteen a hundredweight. June class three milk down twenty-three cents, fifteen eighty-eight a hundred. Nice jump in the cotton market on Friday. The U.S. dollar was lower Friday. That helped out prices. Plus, it looks like we're getting behind on our cotton planting pace here in Texas. The last Texas crop progress report that came out showed cotton planting 35% complete. That is eight percentage points behind the five-year average pace. So cotton prices jumped higher Friday with July up 323 points, 83.35. December cotton up 204 at 80.54. The corn market took a nice jump on Friday as well, mostly due to a lack of rain across the central and eastern corn belt. Nearby July corn up 13 and a quarter Friday, closing at 604 a bushel. September corn up 18 and a half at 529. December corn up 18 and a half, 534 and a half. The wheat market finished higher. July Kansas City wheat up one and a quarter, eight nineteen and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up eleven and three quarters at six sixteen a bushel. In the energy markets, July natural gas down five cents on Friday, two thirty six. July West Texas crude up thirty seven cents, seventy three oh four a barrel. The financial markets higher on Friday. The Dow Jones up 328 points at 33,093. The Nasdaq up 277, 12,975. The S&P up 54 at 4,205. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.